You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. The unofficial 40 right here on Soonerscoop.com. Want to wish everybody a happy holidays as uh, we are headed towards Christmas, the final podcast. Wait... Before Santa comes down that chimney, uh, hope you got all your Christmas shopping done. If not, uh, that's on you. That's not on me. So I think I've got all mine done. Josh, do you have all yours done? I do, as a matter of fact. Finish that on uh, Monday. So, you know, it, it's... But I, I'm an are early you wanna, shopper. Are you wanna, oh, God, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Josh is, yeah, that's right up your alley. I, I would assume that's up Bob's alley, too. Finishing early, Bob. Yep. You got it. I just now, I, I can't have, stop I though. Like I got a wrap. But does your wife do anything? <laughs> and I and I that... have to build things. I have to construct things. And then oh, forty. That's hours. the story that nobody tells you when you go into fatherhood is the midnight construction because we yep. can't actually open the box until she's gone to sleep. And then we have to construct all of it. And it's got 7 million parts and 1,200 yep. stickers. Well, for all of our fa- our dads that listen to this, uh, they're talking about the elves, kids, uh, that come and put things together uh, last Absolutely. minute. Yes. Absolutely. We, we really, God, that's bad, Carrie. You're right. We should go back. There should be a warning there. <laughs> if you're riding with your children, mute the state, mute it for a second here. We're, we're going to mess something up. Uh, no, but I'm one of those guys that I, 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 did finish all my Christmas shopping, but I can't help myself. I just like I went to Guitar Center for my nephew. I'm giving him uh, an old bass that I have because he wants to start playing bass bass guitar, and he's played drums since he was little. He's really good. He's you know he's in college now, but he wants to join some bands and and play with buddies and stuff like that, and maybe get some gigs. So he wants to take up. He's a singer and he wants to take up playing the bass so he can sing more. And so I'm giving him this old bass that I have that I just don't ever use. Uh, and so I was gonna, I was like, God, oh, I got to get a case for this thing. So I get a case, and that's a hundred. And I was like, Oh, this uh, he needs an amp. And so then another hundred on an amp, and then you're getting picks and cleaning supplies and cloths. And then I got my dad. I hope he's not listening to this. Uh, I he won't listen. And then I got him an amp for his acoustic guitars that I bought him just to keep him sane during the pandemic and. Then I'm buying an Eagle songbook so he can learn. It's just, and this was like, I thought all my shopping was done. But no, $500 later, I'm out of Guitar Center with more crap. That is, that's impressive. Like, we we thought we were done with the girls and then threw in some late gifts over the weekend that added up a little bit. But 
That is that's a that's a good late haul. We we got to come up with a term for that. The I think I'm done with shopping. Shopping. I felt like I had to support Guitar Center though because they go bankrupt every six months. They <laughs> yeah, really do. I, I was gonna ask. You know, they file bankruptcy. I mean, I'm all for supporting the little man too, but you know, I go to the Norman Music Shop in the other place. I can't remember the name of. Anyway, it's kind of weird name, but. No, uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas. I am going to go have a small gathering, just me and my mom and dad. So that's going to be good. I didn't go down on Thanksgiving. I had a slight COVID scare. I did not wake up feeling good the morning of the Big 12 championship game. Had a sore throat. So I decided better not to go. Got my rapid test Sunday. I was negative. So I got over it pretty quick, whatever little gunk I had. So everything's good. I'm looking forward to Christmas. It's. I was telling my mom today, it's crazy just being in town for Christmas. I know, as weird as that sounds. Yes. Yeah, for us, yes, it it's is. an anomaly. Yep. And we had a Cotton Bowl Zoom media day yesterday. It was an all-day affair, pretty much. A little bit of shit-talking uh, from linebacker from Florida, uh, which was interesting. Like I could just see like Mike Houck, if an OU player was doing that, just tackling him. <laughs> Muting him. Lincoln. I don't know what's happened. We lost the feed. What's I don't know what happened. I I kind of feel like that's something that Dan Mullen would uh encourage. I don't feel like he's uh I don't feel like he gives a shit. Well, he was kind of worried about other things that day. Like recruiting violations that came to surface. Yeah, that's right. Who's, who was the uh, player? Does anybody know? Uh, Andy Staples, I think, outed the player today because oh, really? it was, uh, yeah, the, 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 the athletic. Jimbo. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher, the exact same kid. I didn't click it, though. Got violations for it as well. Right. But they knew the high school. He might not have said the kid, but he, he knew what year he was. Uh, he knew what high school it was. I think they released all that stuff. But I guess it was all based on the fact that that school uh, has a lot of security cameras in it. <laughs> so basically every coach that cheated got caught. And by the way, some good, some good news for Sooner fans. Uh, Arizona has filled their head coaching position with some guy that most people have never heard of before, including Arizona fans. <laughs> That, that was literally a, one of those hires that Schefter tweeted uh, Wednesday morning. I was like, who in the f*** is this guy? I've literally never heard of him. Can Fish? you imagine Fish? being a, an Arizona fan? You wake up to a guy with two Ds and Jed and, and C and Fish. <laughs> like, so, I'm getting trolled here. Somebody's f***ing with me. Well, uh, would you be rather be Arizona but or would you be, rather be Auburn? If you're an Arizona football fan and you'd be like, well, all right, whatever. I deserve yeah, this. This fits. This makes sense. Sure. Who's in worse shape, though, Arizona or Auburn? Arizona, 1,000%. Now, Auburn yeah. is just, I mean, we talk, about Texas, right. we talk about Texas being run by power brokers. It, sounds, it seems like Auburn is just run by a basically a committee of old, rich, white guys. It's like all the guys that uh, stood up to uh, Marshall Henderson uh, in that famous gift from uh, college basketball. That's who's running Auburn right now. Well, it's a lot of it. I know I, I should ask Jay Tate uh, exactly who they are, but I've had these discussions. Like, Ole Miss is this way. Auburn is this way. 
a lot of their big donors are like fast food magnates. Like, uh, like their old miss, our old miss site, like the, one of their biggest sponsors is, is one of those guys. Like on their yeah, podcast, I, I, he does like all the crystals, hamburgers, and has like all those franchises. And I think it's, uh, uh, the guy that was Michael Ower's uh, stepdad or his adopted father, or whatever, like he's like owns all the Taco Bell and yeah. KFC chains or something like that. John, uh, Tui? Yeah, Tui. That's where his money is from. And Auburn has a lot of, a couple of bankers, I think, and a lot of fast food, you know, barons basically that make all their. So, I mean, just imagine you own a whole lot of Taco Bells and you're determining a multi million dollar. I mean, it's not like Boone Pickens, a corporate raider, basically. I don't know. I'd probably trust the guy that created checkers with my life. <laughs> I like checkers, man. <laughs> Rallies and checkers. That's good. Those are yeah, good I might, hamburgers. I might take that chance. Uh, and uh, it's amazing that Lincoln Riley, after interviewing last Thursday, <laughs> was able to still coach in the championship game. Good point, Bob. I forgot about that one. You know, it really is impressive that they were able to, you know, decide to pass on Lincoln Riley that quickly and just be ready to pivot to Brian Harson. Like that, you, you wouldn't recognize those two as a natural evolution, but that that's that's a pretty impressive way that uh, Auburn made that work. Well, and it doesn't appear that you have to worry about Boise and Alex Grinch because Boise appears to they're like the Mormons of football. They only deal with their own. Like every single one of the candidates that Bruce Feldman released today has either played or coached under Peterson at Boise. How have they not already hired Kellen Moore? That seems like the most slam dunk needs to happen thing of all time. Maybe he wants to be a head coach in the NFL. I should say, I wonder if if he is an NFL guy at this point, if he's just kind of more connected to that than he is the college game. But but you're right, Eddie. It makes all the sense in the world on paper. I think there. I mean, I think it was Feldman or Staples. I don't know. One said uh, that uh, uh, was it Wilcox. That's at the uh, Cal or not? Cal. Mm-hmm. Is he at Cal? Okay. Yeah. Yep. That he could go back. He's twenty-one and twenty-one at Cal. Which is just enough to not get you fired at Cal. I think so. And I don't feel like he's done that bad of a job. Cal's a tough job, man. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, that's not that bad at Cal, considering where they've been, I guess. But Cal Berkeley and football. Spike had a pretty good program. Or, I mean, uh, not Spike. uh, His son had a pretty good program out there. Cal Berkeley and football could not be on more opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, that's like babies and tigers putting them together. (laughs) <laughs> we are not condoning we are not saying do this no i'm just saying over between tiger king and baby uh what's the uh what's the stupid little uh baby king yeah something like that i was thinking of like a, a crossover between tiger king and baby boo boo what's that oh honey boo boo honey boo boo okay yeah there you go my fault to the tlc watchers <laughs> Well, I'm a little ashamed that I knew where Eddie was going with that. Uh, that that I feel a little dirty about it. As you should. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we, I mean, uh, no. Josh, Bob, we have not uh, gotten your thoughts on the Big Twelve Championship. Uh, Iowa State, that five star culture did not beat five star talent. 
Uh, I will defer to the man that was there. I mean, you know, before Bob can shame me. <laughs> well, I just kept telling you guys, like, in the second half, like, we're a drive away from a blowout, a drive away from a blowout. And uh, you just come to that realization that, for whatever reason, this offense doesn't click 60% of the time, and it's still enough to get wins. It's just, it's just a different feeling, though. It, it really is. I mean, you know, and – Honestly, it wasn't until really, I, I think when it went 24 21, I was like, uh, okay, maybe this could happen. That defense was just playing so well. I was like, there's no way Iowa State's going to put up 20, you know, 20 something points here in the second half. I just don't believe it. And I mean, now they nearly did. Um, the time but, of possession in the second half was horrendous. Those uh, defenses out there the entire time. It, and, and, you know, as good as they are and as much depth as they're developing, you just can't three and out, three and out, three and out forever against what is a really talented Iowa State team. I mean, guys, how often can we say that Iowa State has, at the three major skill positions, has NFL guys? To forget Charlie Kolar at tight end. I mean, they've got, what, four or five NFL guys in the skill positions at quarterback, running back. Uh, obviously, Xavier Hutchinson, they've got two tight ends that are those kind of guys. And they've got a couple of offensive linemen that are going to be, you know, at you know probably at best journeyman type guys. But I mean, that's a really talented offense that Oklahoma largely just shut down for 45, 50 minutes of that game. Yeah, I mean, it was a really impressive performance defensively. And look, I understand everybody is the the main kind of the. Uh, low-hanging fruit take is I hate how Lincoln Riley is so conservative. He's become more conservative the longer he stays here. That literally, I mean, what I took of note of that game is that's the first time Lincoln Riley's ever been able to say, you know what, I'm going to make a conservative decision here because our defense is playing as well as they are. Like, when can you point to a big game? What's the last big game that OU decided to punt on fourth and two, you know, at midfield just because their defense was playing so well? And it was, and you, and you thought that's the right choice. That's exactly right. People are wanting, they, I mean, and I get it. Like it's hard for me. It's hard for us to adjust to this new reality where Oklahoma can count on their defense. They can believe those guys are going to make the plays and get the ball back to them. And we don't have to take risks that are unnecessary or put ourselves in a bad way by mid, I mean, mid second, early third, you knew what that game was going to be. It was going to be. Iowa State playing against long fields, Oklahoma punting to them, trying to maybe get a score or two to finish things off. And obviously, until very late, they didn't get it done. And you've got to give, obviously, Trey Brown a lot of credit for his two big kickoff returns. But, I mean, Oklahoma played the game in the style that it was there to be played and the way they could most readily win. Being aggressive and having Spencer Rattler throw the ball all over the field. And honestly, guys, the the he gets conservative thing, I don't know if I thought Oklahoma was physical. I mean, like, uh, A, they weren't physical enough up front, no. but I think that has more to do with the mm. players. But secondarily, I didn't feel like Oklahoma was being real conservative play calling. I wish they would have established the run a little bit more. Exactly. I'm just not sure I mean, that the, they could. There was, I think, throughout the third quarter, maybe towards the end, they started trying, but I think, I think this is right. I think Ramondre Stevenson went into half with 12 carries, and I think for the Good part of the third quarter, he only had three, and he might well, have had some had there at the end for the game. Yeah, so uh, they just didn't use it that much in the second half. 
And that is, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna say Lincoln Riley has one blind spot, it's always been that. It's always been not forcing the run game enough. It goes back to his first year in that loss against Texas. That is a legitimate criticism. Not not he gets too conservative. Like Josh said, if he was conservative, he would have forced the run even more than he did. Absolutely, absolutely. He was throwing the ball. You you can't say conservative up seventeen throwing the ball. That's not that's not by any definition definition a conservative offense. Guys, I, to me, it always goes back to that Georgia game where Oklahoma just dominated on the ground up front, and then for some reason got overly crafty with it. You were like, you're winning up front. Do this. And this game didn't feel that way. I mean, I, I, I kind of understand why he was still throwing the ball, why he was doing that, because Oklahoma's offensive line the last two weeks has looked a lot more like pre-Texas than post-Texas. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love that play where he faked the handoff to Ramondre Stevenson, and then he just kind of dribbled out in the middle of the field and he hit him on a pass. That was a great play design. Yes, that was a nice wrinkle throughout that that game it was open a couple times they are they're i mean that that gt counter i mean i think we all know that defenses are so keyed on it oklahoma's finding a lot of great ways to spin off of it and that one's not as direct as some of the other stuff we've seen but there's no question OU's like okay you want to you want to go so hard at this and you want to commit so many bodies to it okay we'll we'll bootleg spencer out on the backside. was that was we'll, it a, you know, we'll flood the other direction was that a gt power that chandler morris scored his touchdown on i believe it was i need to go back and look i was so busy focused on morris because guys i can't lie when he took that ball i didn't think he was going to score i was like there's no way he gets in he's not going to outrun that guy because i think it was orion vance who's a who's a really good linebacker for uh, for iowa state and he just beat him to the corner. I mean, he he continually surprises me with the level of athlete that he is. Was Xavier Hutchinson the best player on the field that day? I would go with Perrion Winfrey, but I could make the case for Hutchinson for sure. He's really or good. Or Benito. Benito had great moments in that yeah. game. Yeah, I, the best for the Cyclones, for sure. Yeah, I came away really impressed by him. I mean, Florida's going to have some dudes, even though they're losing pits. But, I mean, that's going to be a lesson about, you know, guys that run after the catch. I mean, he just, he's a powerful runner, good receiver. Just a, I mean, couldn't have been more impressed with somebody. And yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by Brees Hall, but he just, obviously, Oklahoma's defensive line was a lot better than... Iowa State's offensive line, and they lost you know, one of their starters at left tackle early in that game. I, I just put something in the idiot where I was kind of I'm, – I'm about to halftime uh, all these days later. I know it's a chaotic week. But with about a minute to go, he busts off a 15-yard run in the second quarter, and it's his longest run of the game. You know, It would be through the end of the game. He's at 13 carries for 52 yards. He ended with 23 for 76. So basically, over the last 31 minutes of football, he had 10 carries for 24 yards. There was a like, time I, in that game where the only offense they had were Brock Purdy's legs. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I think we can... And again, guys, that was a Joe Moore semifinalist team. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good offensive line that is probably more about the sum than the parts, but it's a good group. 
And Oklahoma just whipped them for three and a half quarters. I mean, until basically Oklahoma's defense just got tired. I never got to talk with Pat Field. I requested him for the post game. I requested him for the Cotton Bowl. But I just remember talking to him after Ames, and that sounded like the most depressed he's ever been in his life. And for him to get the interception to have one of the three, you know, after he missed all those chances in Ames, really just wanted to get get his thoughts about the redemption storyline. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was. You, the Brock Purdy gives you chances. They didn't do it in October, and they made them count on Saturday. Was Buki the only one that had a chance at a pick in Ames and didn't get one in Dallas? Yeah. Every, cause I, I, know, I know Pat had one. I know Norwood had one. And did, did, did Trey have one? Did he drop one in Ames? No, he had the bad holding penalties. And That's like right. That. That's right. You're right. You're right. Well, speaking of Trey... He's out of the bowl game, uh, opting out. I didn't. I thought it was interesting yesterday. It's not that Lincoln Riley said anything bad, but I think Lincoln Riley would prefer that he play in the bowl game. I mean, where Alex Grinch seemed to be a little bit more, I don't know, we wish him well, kind of, you know, we appreciate everything he did for us. Or maybe I'm just trying to read into it. In Trey Brown's attitude when it came to, well, to Baylor, like saying it was his last home game. I mean, he's had that mindset for at least the last two, three months. So it really didn't shock me that he died. I know some people think, oh, he needs to put on better tape, but I don't know who's going to, you know, you had Mullen say flat out yesterday, he believes a few more players are going to opt out. And if you needed to have some choices, you might think it's going to be Tony or Grimes. It might be the guys that, you know, Brown would have a chance to really look good against. I guess I just don't understand what he's like. He's going to be participating in the Senior Bowl, right? So, I I don't know. I just I found it. I don't I don't follow him if he doesn't want to play. I don't. It doesn't really bother me. It's just kind of strange. I just don't really know what he's sitting out for. It's yeah, not like first round draft pick. He's not going to be exactly a pick. opt out round one, round two, maybe even round three in the right situation. Like I get it. I I can get there with you, but. I mean, Trey, what, best case scenario was probably fourth? I mean, that's and that's pretty optimistic in my opinion. I think he's more of a fifth or sixth kind of guy because right. he's going to go run a great 40. But he's he's 5'9", five 5'10". Five I mean, he's got limitations that he can't fix no matter how much he trains or what he puts on tape. These are just things that people are going to knock him for, and he's probably a nickel in the NFL. And as valuable as those guys are in this era of the NFL – they're not guys you draft in the first or second round. You just you don't do that. So, I, like I said, that that's the part that's weird for me is just you know I, I don't know that the the risk is 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 worth it. But I, I agree with Eddie. Like I get it. You, you it's it's a game that doesn't mean much to you. You're already on your way, but you're going to go to the senior bowl and compete, and you're going to run that risk there. But you know I guess he sees that as more of a you know job application kind of thing than uh, than this game that he doesn't have to be part of. Sure. Could you go out on a bigger high note? In the festive spirit, he pulled a Costanza. He left on the high <laughs> note. I like That's that. That's true. I like that. Now, can we can we go to a quick hypothetical of what Kyle Pitts would have done to this secondary? Oh boy, I, I'm thinking like 13 for like 195 and maybe two or three scores. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Kyle Pitts is a he's one of the best college tight ends I've ever watched. He's incredible. Well, he's the first ever or a Bolitnikov finalist that is a tight end. That's wild. And guys, the Pro Football Focus had a had their mock draft today. They had the Ravens taking him. Can you imagine Andrews and Pitts on the same field? I mean, that's a lot of danger at tight end, kind of work in the middle. It's like the Ravens are they're they're destined to get the best tight end in every draft, aren't they? Yes. That's all they do. I I am one of those guys like that's a position that as, as in recruiting I'm like take two or three of those guys. How many really good 65 260 athletes? I mean, do you ever say like we've got too many of those guys? No, move them somewhere else. Do something else with them. But guys that are that big and that athletic, you're like we can probably find a way to to help have that help our football team. We can make use of that player. Well, nobody. Uh, I, I I'm curious to know, you know, if Iowa State continues with their tight end situation, uh, playing three at one time and and all that, or if they evolve. I mean, do they just continue? Do they do that? Just did they do that? Just because that's their personnel, or. Uh. You know, if they get better wideouts, are they wideouts is such an option term for a receiver, isn't it? Uh, I heard some guy call into Al ask about wideouts the other day. I was like, man, what, what year do you think you're in? Um, did did he say flanker? Oh, flanker's <laughs> a, that's even older term right there. Yeah, I love him at split end. You know what? The guy might have said split end. That might have been what he said instead of wideout. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to kind of see what they, I mean, the thing about Iowa State is, it's kind of like with Kansas State. They can they can get better quarterbacks than Brock Purdy. Like, Brock Purdy's a good, solid quarterback, but they could do better. That's fair. Especially with what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're, there's no team in the conference getting more out of their talent than Matt Campbell at Iowa State right now. So if they could find a guy that, you know, make that next step. Like, because you, you could see him in a year or two get a guy like a Shane Illingworth, you know, like a mid-level four-star, borderline 250 kid that was a lot more acclaimed than Brock Purdy. Might depend on just the belief in how long Matt Campbell's going to stay around, isn't it? Wait. Like, somebody's going to need to really trust him that he's not going to leave. I guess with the transfer transfer stuff, it could be different these days. But after that outburst on the sideline, there might not be any big programs that want to take a chance on him. Well, and you know what? I would tie that into the programs that don't want to take a chance on him because of that. There's probably a reason they fucking suck. Just like <laughs> Texas, just like Michigan, just like Florida State, all those schools. Well, they let's... could all use a little Matt Campbell fight in their head coach. Arizona didn't call him. You know that's for fact. He's not going to Cal anytime soon. That's for sure. Uh, he's he's not a pacifist, I guess. <laughs> hey guys, want to remind you, uh, Dead Soxy, the sponsor of Unofficial Forty Podcast, and uh, appreciate all the support that you guys have been giving them. Dead Soxy, D E A D S O X Y dot com. I'm on their website right now. You can go shop uh, all their collections, the great collections, the no shows. If you want to have a great pair of socks that don't show uh, above the shoe line, uh, dress socks, uh, alumni socks, collaborations. But you can go and uh, they they have a lot of different colors for uh, colleges. So if you want to get the uh, crimson and cream colorway, uh, you can do 
that as well. You go to their site, you see they got a lot of different variations there. Uh, the Crimson 4-Pack uh, on sale right now for $56. And right now, uh, you also get 35% off with promo code HOLIDAYPRO. That's 35% off uh, your entire order, excluding collabs. Just great socks. Eddie and I both uh, wear them all the time. It's a great after-holiday gift uh, if you uh, miss somebody and you want to grab a, a pair of socks from Dead Soxy, uh, or just for yourself, go get uh, go look at the boardroom collection if you need some really nice socks to uh, impress when you finally get back in the offices. Hopefully that's coming soon for a lot of us. Uh, so uh, Dead Soxy, uh, great supporter of the Unofficial 40, and uh, we appreciate you guys supporting them as well. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, 35% off with that promo code Holiday Pro. And as always, stay Soxy. Well, uh, look, it is... It's almost Christmas. We're sitting here on a Wednesday. Uh, the board has been melting down most of the day. I think. Let's, I think. Let's get into it. Yeah, I think maybe we need to get into this. There was an interesting tweet by Annie Hansen, uh, the recruiting coordinator at OU, earlier today, which she said was just an excerpt out of a book she was reading. Which I don't believe you. Uh, but Josh, you've put news on the board today what the hell's going on with kamar wheaton i think that's a really great question carrie and i wish <laughs> i had answers to that but kamar wheaton it, i i can say this now i mean we're near the finish this is the strangest recruitment i've covered in 20 years of doing this i mean he usually like okay you've got to dig up some things or you're having to trust some people maybe that you haven't before you know you just don't have the relationships whatever it may be there's things i'm used to dealing with this it's not one of them he doesn't talk to anyone i've talked to people at lakeview centennial i've talked to people at oklahoma i've talked to people around the alabama program i've talked to everyone i can think of and literally they're asking, like, I asked them, you know, what are you hearing? What are you thinking? And they're almost firing the same questions back at me, wondering if I know something they don't, because it's just, it's a mystery. He, like I said, he doesn't talk to anybody. He doesn't really have, you know, like a, the go-to guy that you would speak to, like the, the trainer or the seven on seven guy. I mean, he, he has those people around him, but it's not, he doesn't rely on them the way some kids do. So it's just been a really strange recruitment. But I, I would say the bottom line is, you know, I talked to somebody at Centennial about two hours ago, and the feeling is he doesn't know when he's going to decide because he doesn't know what he wants to do. And this idea that, oh, it's Alabama or it's definitely Oklahoma, nobody knows. Like, it, it really is just kind of up in the air. And we'll have to see what he does. I'm picking Alabama right now because, frankly, he just hasn't had much communication with Oklahoma over the last few weeks. But, again – that's kind of him. So I don't know if I should read into that or not read into that. It's, it's just really strange because like I said, he's had, he's talked to one coaching staff in the last two weeks and it was for a couple of brief conversations with Alabama. And that's it. That's the only, uh, I kind of thought SMU might sneak into this. I'm told they don't think anything's happening with them. Uh, LSU hasn't been in touch with him in months. Like it's, It's just impossible to know what the guy's thinking because even behind the scenes, he doesn't leave any trail. He's like, he's like a secret agent. You don't know what he's doing because he, there is no, there's no way to track his movements. He's just not doing anything. There's ways. Josh, we know. (laughs) (laughs) 
We know where Eddie's going with that. Well, John, we know where OU's running back room is and, and where things stand. What about Bama? Do they have room for someone like Wheaton? Would they just make room? I, I have been told they would make room. And, and guys, I mean, I can honestly – this, you know, for the people like, oh, you know, he signed with Bama or this has been done for weeks – Guys, I can tell you as of Monday, the Alabama coaching staff thought he signed with Oklahoma last Wednesday. Like, this is not something where, like, oh, the report, nobody knows. Nobody knows what this kid's thinking, what he's doing. I know he talked to Alabama last night. He did not commit. He didn't give them any indication. He just kind of talked to them and then went on about his his business. (laughs) Kamar Wheaton is just an interesting dude to track. And, you know, people are like, well, are you going to do an interview with him? Man, I talked to him once, and I feel like I talked to a ghost. I mean, this guy, he shows up, plays football, from what I can gather, does pretty well in school, and that's it. Like, that's all I can really tell you definitively about him as a person. He is a he is a once-in-a-lifetime guy to try and track. It's been very weird. That was going to kind of be my question, Josh, and I, I hate to put it like this, but does he even want to play football? Like, is there a passion to play football there? And I guess we really don't know. And it's probably unfair to ask, but like with, with a guy like that, it's almost like what, what else is going on here? Like, why doesn't he enjoy the process? Why, why doesn't he want to be out there and not even out there as far as like doing interviews and stuff? Just it's, it is like, he's, it's, it's almost like he's a Bryce Youngquist 2.0. Well, you know, and that's the thing, Eddie, I, I wonder about that myself, like, because, and there's the only thing I can come up with a rebuttal for Eddie, and you know it as well as I do. If you don't love football, I struggle to believe you'd go play for that centennial team. Like, sure. I mean, that's not a good football no, team. That makes sense. He doesn't play mm-hmm. behind a great offensive line. He's usually, you know, shaking a guy in the backfield. Like, I mean, he is a guy that has had to work for every bit of success he gets at Lakeview. Now, at the same time, he is immensely talented. And a lot of times you get those guys and they just, they play football because they're good at it, not exactly because they care about it. I could see that. He's a little aloof. Um, but at the same time, I don't have anything to base that on. That's just yeah. kind of, you know, connecting dots with him a little bit. But, I mean, it does feel like there's something that doesn't make sense here. Something doesn't add up. Because I've had plenty of kids that don't like the recruiting process that are talking to coaches. They're trying to, you know, if you don't like the process, you're trying to get it over with. You're not extending it out to December 23rd. You're going to commit as early as you can, especially at running back where schools don't want to wait for you. If this wasn't a COVID year, Oklahoma would have gave it, given him an ultimatum months ago to be, hey, you're in or you're out. Let's move on. Because they did it with, you know, last year with, um, Oh, the running back from the Fresno, uh, Kendall Milton. Uh, They did the same thing with him and then moved on to Jason McClellan and Seth McGowan and kind of moved in that direction. So Oklahoma didn't want to wait this long, but being in, you know, kind of a unique year, they kind of let it go because they weren't going to be able to close on some of the other guys they wanted, Donovan Edwards and LJ Johnson and some of those names. So they kind of moved forward with Wheaton thinking, okay, we'll get him in the end. And they still may. But it's anybody's guess right now. Josh, if they don't get Wheaton today, tomorrow, whenever the heck he finally makes it known, do they try to keep pushing with him up until signing day, though? I honestly don't think so. 
Uh, I know there are some, you know, that have, have said on the board, oh, I think we dropped him. I don't think Oklahoma dropped him. I, I, I haven't talked to anybody that's given me that indication. Now, like I just said, I think Oklahoma would love to have had a commitment from Donovan Edwards to be like, you know what, Kamar, best of luck with whatever you're going to do. We need to move forward. we got to focus on some other guys and some other positions. But they don't have that advantage. I mean, he's their only running back on their board right now. So they've got to ride it out and see what happens. At the same time, once he commits, how do you recruit a kid that doesn't talk to you? Like, I, I don't know how you turn that around when he won't answer the phone and he won't call you. you you've just got to kind of live with what you have. So, like I said, I, I think if he commits today to Oklahoma, I, I would guess Alabama still tries to work him a little bit, but I don't know that they'll have much more success with it. But if he commits to Oklahoma, or excuse me, to Alabama, I think Oklahoma just says, we're going to go to the transfer portal. We'll see what we can find. Just because this has been such a chaotic mess that, you know, it's fine to lose out on a guy, but it's not as good if you don't know why. You, you know, we couldn't even really recruit you. We just were kind of involved in your recruitment. And when you needed something from us, we'd hear from you. What does that make of DeMarco Murray? As a recruiter, is it unfair to judge him knowing what he's had to do in his first year as far as recruit, you know, through Zoom, not really be able to be hands on? Is it almost an incomplete grade? Is it a fail? I I think that's where the fan base is going to probably look and probably blame the most, right? Oh, that's only natural. I mean, it's going to happen now. I am always a guy that says you can't grade on year one. It, It just you don't have I mean. Kamar Wheaton, you know, go compared to Jay Bulware, who offered him, you know, two years ago as Oklahoma running backs coach and has a much longer relationship, a lot more track record. He has all those things. And Texas didn't even, you know, is nowhere near his recruitment. So, you know, there are there are ways you can look at that. And but to me, like I said, year two will know more. I there's no question this is disappointing. If Oklahoma weren't does not land Kamar Wheaton. That's a very disappointing running back class following, you know, the miss on Jason McClellan late last year, all of those things. Oklahoma's running back room is just not where it should be for an offense that has produced the points they have has, you know, multiple backs in the NFL. They should be doing more in recruiting than they are right now. So there's just no way to argue that. But at the same time, I don't put that all on DeMarco Murray. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's reasonable, reasonable or realistic. So We'll see. In a year, I think we'll know more. Oklahoma's already in on some good backs. I mean, we've talked about Relique Brown, Gavin Sawchuk. They've got a good start for some guys, but they're going to have to close because you can't just keep doing this year after year where you're punting to next year and we'll fix it in the next class because eventually you just have nothing on campus that can really help you. Well, Josh, I'm, I, punting, just real quick. Punting the next year might be Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, I mean, obviously that, you know, we reported that yesterday. That's, you know, a big win for Oklahoma. I mentioned it on the board. It sounds like he's been in the weight room, you know, kind of around the team all season. So it's, I I don't know about you guys. I'm a little surprised. I kind of thought Kennedy Brooks would move on in some fashion. It just, the way that ended and the way it seemed like there was a little bit of friction about how that, you know, how that was handled or whatever, I just kind of didn't know how that was going to play, but it sounds like they expect him back. Obviously, you know, having a guy that's rushed for a thousand yards a couple times in his career, that's a big win and makes up for the loss of TJ Pledger heading into the portal. But 
like I said, I, do I know that Kennedy Brooks is the kind of guy you go and win a national championship with? I, I don't know about that. But he's definitely a nice change of pace if you could get Stevenson to return. Uh, and I, I think that is, you know, talking to the players yesterday, uh, I think the most notable thing was, and maybe it was the loaded question by me to Creed about, you know, would a national championship or the, the possibility of winning a national championship bring you back? And he just said, I, I'm, I, th- I have thought about that. Uh, guys, I didn't really get a read on Ramondre one way or the other. How, how about you? No. Really, because the way he said it is like, no matter where I'm at, the run, the the other running backs I'm going to be with are going to be good, and I'm going to be happy that I'm with them. So he he really, because we asked about Kenny Brooks coming back, would that mean anything to him? Would that change his decision any? And he didn't give any inclination whatsoever, one way or the other. You know that. This this means yeah I'm definitely staying or yeah that this definitely means I'm I'm gonna be out the door now. So yeah I mean I I mean with Kennedy Brooks set to come back, um, you know if he does come back you're fine you can get past it if you lose Wheaton to Alabama, but I think you got to be done with just recruiting one running back. I mean especially when you know. You look and it looked like Marcus Major was a really good pick compared to Brees Hall, but clearly, just like the NFL, there's a lot of running backs out there that you can hit on. I mean, one of OU's best of all time, Quentin Griffin, he's one of those guys. Yep. Oh, guys, I, I think the one that stings OU probably the most, and even if they lost Wheaton, was Travion Henderson. He was all set to take a visit, was going to come for the spring game. And then everything shut down right before OU could get in there. And that, that to me, there's no question. That was the running back they wanted. He was the guy. I mean, Lincoln Riley was almost exclusively recruiting him. They were very involved. And at that point, you know, the kid just said, okay, I'm going to go to Ohio State. He knew them a little better. There was a little more familiarity, a little closer to home, all those things. And if Oklahoma could have brought him for a visit, maybe they turn his head. But with that never able to happen, you know, uh, you look at these guys like Kelvin Gilliam, some of these other guys that Oklahoma was able to win because maybe because other schools couldn't host them. It's the same deal with Henderson. Oklahoma never got a chance to turn his head. So, uh, all that being said, depending on what happens to Wheaton, uh, you kind of said it before the podcast started when we were just talking, uh, Tristan Lee becomes a really big deal. It just, it just massive. I mean, you throw in, you know, guys, two weeks ago, there was a very realistic possibility. OU lands at Mecca Egbuka, Bryce Foster, Kamar Wheaton, and Tristan Lee for four or five stars to close your class. Now it's looking like one and OU is going to be in a dogfight with Florida and LSU to the finish line here. So it's, uh, he is key just because of the way you want this class to be perceived. It closed well. You got your five-star offensive tackle that Oklahoma really needed. I mean, after a couple of classes where they landed good players, I think Stacey Wilkins kind of being the the highlight of that group. But so far, Anton Harrison's the only young offensive tackle that's really done anything to make you think, okay, that guy's a difference maker. So Oklahoma needs that guy to forget that, you know, Tristan's little brother Aiden is already holds no you offer and is a big time prospect in his own right. So 
there are a lot of reasons he's a key recruit, but Oklahoma needs to stem the tide here because it just feels like things. And I don't think it's OU's fault. I don't think it's anything like, I, I don't think it's a sign of anything. It's just perception being reality. It, it is perceived that something's going wrong here when the reality is you've just got three guys making random decisions that didn't work out for Oklahoma. Do you think in any way that the, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws just to kind of figure out kind of what happened, but do you think in any way, like the way that Caleb Williams has gone about recruiting, does that, I think we always talked about the positive side of it. Is there a negative side of it as far as maybe it rubs some guys the wrong way? I don't know about that. I mean, like I, you know, cause I mean, there's no, like you talk about the guys we've mentioned. I mean, Emeka Buka, that was clearly a big factor. I think that was sure. almost what got OU in the door. Sure. And you know, he, he hung out with them in Norman when he was there for his visit. So now there are some guys that absolutely do it. And a funny name that I can recall that, that players, I remember players saying, Oh, you know, we're not, he, he's maybe a little too much. Jeff Levy was that kind of guy. Jeff Levy rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when he was being recruited because he was so kind of in their face and overbearing. And it, it, it some guys kind of like, eh, I didn't really want to take visits with him because he was just going to be in my face the whole time. Um, and that's not what I've heard about Caleb. I mean, everybody really likes the way he comes at it. He's very passive. He's not overly aggressive and trying to sell them the whole time. He just, you know, we're, we're two guys hanging out. I'd like to yeah. play with you, that kind of thing. And of course he works in a pitch from time to time, but it's not the same thing. I just, I, I guess that was just kind of almost a devil's advocate way of just wondering what has happened uh, as sure. far as the meltdown that has ensued since the, <laughs> you know, every time that it seems like bad news. And in a class in which it's like, it's kind of like we were talking about before we started here today. It's like, you would think right now is the time that you would want to jump on with the way that they rebounded, the way that the defense has had it. I know that they're not defensive guys, but I would think that, you know, from the outside looking in, this is the time to kind of get in the circle because it seems like Oklahoma's about to take off as far as uh, really taking that next step towards competing for a national title. Absolutely. Within the, the program, everything looks as good as it's looked. I mean, like, I don't know how you would find a lot of problem with what's going on. The defense is finally playing football. You feel like the best players are some of the young players. I mean, you know, we, Devon Graham, Woody Washington, you know, you run down that list. There's a lot of good young talent in this roster. And yet you're bringing guys back next year that you didn't even have this year. Jalen Redmond, Kennedy Brooks. I mean, you're bringing back some big names to that roster. And it seems like it's all there for the taking. And Oklahoma just kind of sputtered. It's, it's just, it's been a weird, kind of hard to understand thing. But at the same time, I mean, you know, the problem is everybody always wants to lump all these together and make them one collective. Well, these guys all did their own thing, so it's got to be one root problem. Emeka Ibuka had been headed to Ohio State for over a year, and Oklahoma made it really close at the end. They just couldn't overcome Ohio State, who has put out one of the few schools that can say our receiver room has every, you know, stands up to yours just fine. I mean, they're, they're one of the few schools putting out NFL guys at probably an even better clip than Oklahoma is. Then you look at Bryce Foster. Kid grew up an A&M fan. His mom posts on tech sags. It's amazing Oklahoma made it as interesting <laughs> as they did. Um, you know, I mean, you go down the list. And then with Kamar, that's, that's the one that's tough. That's a Dallas area guy. Texas wasn't involved. That's, that's a win you got to get. That, that's, if that's your only running back and he's at such a huge need position – that's a tough one to explain. You, you need to close that some way, somehow. 
And if Oklahoma were to miss for the second straight year on a big time back out of Dallas to Alabama late, man, that's tough. That, that, that's, a, that's a hard one to understand. But like I said, you go land Tristan Lee. You've got a good offensive line class. You did close with Savion Bird, who we've not even talked about. You know, a, a top 10 offensive lineman in the country, or top 10 offensive tackle anyway in the country. And it's almost like he didn't happen because some of the other things didn't go OU's way. And Lee has still been talking with Caleb Williams, at least through social media throughout this entire week. So Doc, I don't feel like he's been turned off by him. It's just kind of curious that, you know, you didn't sign and I was OU versus Florida in the, in the Cotton Bowl. And But I think the day that the head-to-head winner meaning anything in recruiting is, is also probably done too. Largely. I mean, especially in this. Guys, we're talking about Oklahoma's best corner won't be there. Florida's best player flat out period won't be there. I mean, like, I, I don't know how you could gauge it like that because it's just not going to it's not going to make a lot of sense. I mean, Florida, one of their starting offensive linemen, is the kid that signed with Texas or committed to Oklahoma, then ended up signing with Texas, is now back at Florida. I mean, it's 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 just nuts. I mean, it, it's hard to keep track and to worry about such things. So, like I said, I, I think Oklahoma still leads for Tristan Lee. I think his relationship with Caleb Williams is really, really good. He's been out there a couple of times. Bill Bedenboe and his mother and Tristan talk frequently. So there's there's nothing that tells you, oh, this is a danger zone. It it didn't work out well for Oklahoma that he didn't sign because everybody thought that would be Oklahoma. But just because he didn't then doesn't mean that Oklahoma's lost ground. He just didn't decide to sign. So well, you know, Oklahoma has to hold that lead. But you'd rather them be in front now than you know uh, than be behind. Uh, you'd rather be in OU spot than Florida's right now. All right. Um, so outside of that, I mean, waiting on Wheaton, maybe we'll hear something. Maybe, maybe we won't know until freshmen show up next year where he went to school. I would assume that would never be the case. Someone will release something at some point. Um, but what if he's one of those kids that just puts together like a forty-five minute full-length <laughs> movie? <laughs> Maybe that's why he's kept it so quiet. Like he's he's actually Scorsese and we never knew it. Yeah, that'd be badass. And it's one of those things where like you can't fast forward it through YouTube. You have to watch from beginning to end. Well, I'll so just, whoever I'll, I'll, I'll wait second, for 45 minutes. I'll wait for 45 minutes for somebody to watch that shit. I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Eddie, that's horseshit, because you know which one of the four of us has to sit there and watch that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, l- let me know in 45 <laughs> you put on the background, walk, walk away for 40 minutes, and then give it Maybe he flashes letters up every four and a half minutes, and then you got to spell it out. Like, and you, you only know, show I mean, up for the A, and then you don't know at the end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, really, I mean, I don't know what's going to go on in this bowl game. I would assume if Kyle Trask was going to opt out, he'd do it now since he's since all the Heisman votes are in. That's what I was thinking of yesterday. Like, when do the Heisman votes get in? Because that's probably when Kyle Trask opts out if he opts out. And we've seen, I mean, uh, who was the West Virginia quarterback that opted out? Uh, the, tra- the Florida transfer? Uh, Greer. Greer, Will Greer. He's done it 
Um, I'm trying to think of other big name quarterbacks that have done it. That have opted out of the bowl game. Yeah. Oh man, it's not. It's not it's common. Not a large list. Yet. No, it's going to get bigger in years to come. But Jalen Hurts opted out last year in the Peach Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to think with him. You know, he's probably, it's just like that linebacker. I bet Florida thinks that they're going to do exactly what LSU did to OU last year. Oh, 100%. Yes. Uh, they're like, this is Oklahoma. They can't play defense. They Everybody thought they were better last year, and they got thrashed by LSU. I think so. Forgetting completely that they lost at home to a awful, ugly, redheaded stepsister of that LSU team. Yeah. And, you know. Uh, that LSU team's an all-timer. I mean, I they people like to forget they pretty much ran away from Clemson in the national championship game. Like, yeah. that's a really good Clemson team that they just kind of beat over the head. The one thing so, that, if I'm Florida, the one thing that worries me is we made Najee Harris look like the best, a generational running back in that game against Alabama in the SEC championship. Like, Najee Harris is good. He ain't that good. Like, he was just destroying them. Well, and, and who has a very similar skill set to Najee Harris? I'm not saying he's as good as Najee Harris, but who is very similar in the way he plays he's, and the way that OU can utilize him? And Najee Harris looked like a power back in that game, too, which, I mean, he was running over people, That's running right. through people. Ramondre Stevenson could have a field day against Florida. If they can block. But, I mean, and that's the thing. This is the weird part. Like, we're so used to – these are two teams that are doing things we're not used to them doing. Florida has all sorts of problems defensively, but offensively is very proficient. Oh, yeah, they're great. Oklahoma has problems offensively, but all of a sudden is playing really good defense. I don't know what to make of either of those realities. So, we'll have to see <laughs> what's what. But, I, I mean – there's no question that when Florida's offense is on the field and Oklahoma's defense is on the field, that's going to be the best matchup of the day. That's going to be fun to watch. Look, LSU is the only other team besides Alabama that has tossed Oklahoma around. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, Bob Stoops made his name on going in and beating Auburn, beating Alabama. I mean, taking on the SEC. They hated him. Uh, Lincoln's lost to Georgia in overtime. He lost badly to LSU. He lost badly to Alabama, even though their offense was so good. It made it look respectable with the final score. Uh, but Lincoln's, Lincoln's not the one that's had the SEC victories here. It was all Bob. So sure, this is sure. kind of on him a little bit. Like, he does not want to go and get embarrassed in this bowl game. It's kind of like a two-parter. It's like, I, I think it, I truly, and I, I'm not somebody that just thinks bowl games are the end-all, be-all, but I think it is important to go into the offseason for the first time in a long time with a good taste in their mouth. I mean, they've kind of been licking their wounds the last couple of years, and I know that it's, they've come in college football playoffs, but they've been off bad performances too. I think it's important to go into 21 with uh, kind of some good momentum, and I know that the coaches and the players would tell you that they're not really connected, but I think kind of psych psychologically they are. Eddie, you're getting dangerously close to copyright infringement, so I'm going to, you know, my attorney will be, will be speaking <laughs> to you soon. This group, though, it's important for that, if, especially if you're going all in on 21. I mean, I, it's, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then I guess you also have to ask, like, you know, Sunday afternoon, Monday afternoon, when you find out that both T 
teams are going home, which I again I don't have a problem with. It's almost kind of like the bowl game is just the you know the bonus to the season. It's like if we get there, we get there. If not, whatever. We'll we'll you know check everything in next week. But it seems like the Cotton Bowl is going to be able to work it out as far as near six day games. If you have to push it back for COVID, they're going to do that. Yeah. I wish all my Which friends. Which might be even tougher. Because if the mental strain, if you think it's over December 30th and then it goes to like January 10th or something, that might be even harder to stay physically, mentally sharp. So I, I just wonder really if the school would just be like, work. screw it. Yep. But I guess they have to play to get paid. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about because uh, I'm slightly triggered. My friends keep texting me. Nice question, Casey. Thanks to the <laughs> Cotton Bowl. <laughs> Casey Think Burdock. Scotty. Casey Burdock I was at one point yesterday. Casey Burdock. And he got and Bob Presbillo right every time. It doesn't make any it sense. It amazing. It really was. Has anyone ever met someone with a last name Burdock? How do you even get there? Like... <laughs> Surely you read that and you're like, nope, that's wrong. Like that's got to be Murdoch because I we all have met someone with that name. I've never heard of someone named Burdock. I and it's set, but like my name is spelled out right there. Like it's just a big yeah, black you, screen I mean, you with your name on it. Yep. He called so me Casey at least. He, he called me Casey six, at least three dollars. times, and he apologized one time. Yes. Uh, after the after. I think it was Ronnie Perkins uh, answered my question. Uh, and then he called me Casey again after he apologized. I don't know. But please stop texting me <laughs> and calling me Casey, all right? There's already some asshat in this state who makes weird, like in, in the house or something that is in the panhandle that makes all kind of embarrassing Oklahoma statutes and stuff. Anyway. Oh, yeah. He's your cousin, right? No, we're not related at all. <laughs> Don't I get a little break because it's Christmas? All right. Well, at least we ask questions. Sorry. Oh sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyone out there listening that knows you're responsible for that? Bob just took a shot at you. You deserve to look in the mirror. If Bob has had enough of your bullshit, you need to stop. I'm sure they're going to write stuff off of it. They didn't ask any of it. <laughs> I, and I'm sure it won't just be like a Q&A, basically, of, of what was said. I'm, we're still waiting to find out Christmas. if Eddie can go or not. I mean, that's the big question. I don't need anything else for Christmas. I just got it. That's all I needed. <laughs> Bob taking shots on the pod? Yeah. God. That's how we're talking about the Media Cooperation Award video. <laughs> that wasn't bad. Now, I, I want it to be known that as soon as I saw someone take the shot of why do you have the drain in the background, I knew exactly why that happened. Anybody that's ever lived in an apartment knows exactly why that happened. Should have just taken out the toilet. I just I, didn't do it. Not dedicated, I guess. Just bag that sucker, Eddie. Pull it up and be done with it. A couple <laughs> bolts and you're ready, man. No problem. Turn the water off. Yeah, that's, that's not my fault. <laughs> All 
Uh, outside of that, yeah, we're just waiting to see if uh, Eddie's going to be allowed at the Cotton Bowl. I don't think you've been allowed on the road one time this year, have you? Uh, to anything? No. No. Negative. Ready to get into 2021. Jeez. Speaking of, Tiffany got Tiffany is our first vaccinated nice. uh, peripheral nice. member of the pod. And she is in the medicine field, so it's not like Linda snuck her in. To a vaccination or something. No, I mean, well, I mean, obviously we pulled all the unofficial 40 strings to make <laughs> this happen. You know, all of our And we power nominated your wife, yes. Yes, yes. Not any I'm of just, ourselves. We, I we am, put my wife. I am waiting for, like, this is our next PPP thing. Like, the next scandal, like when someone, a celebrity or something we find out got the vaccine before a nurse did somewhere or something. Because that's happening at some point. Oh, sure. Sure. No, she, uh, you know, little, little, her biggest issue was apparently soreness. The the shot in her arm bothered her for several days, but without exception, seemed no no real symptoms from it, anything like that. So she was. So for all those out there looking forward to your vaccine, hopefully it goes as well. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I sometimes get soreness after my tea shots. Yeah. So it could just be the needle hitting the muscle in the wrong place. Sure, sure. I mean, now, which part of the arm does the soreness start in, Carrie? It's the thigh. <laughs> I shoot him in my thigh. I thought you were always going to start with a good vein in the arm. No, what you have to do is, so you put the needle in, and then you have to pull it back to make sure you're not on a blood vessel. And then if no blood comes up, you go ahead and shoot it. But if there is blood, you just have to move the needle to a different place, which I think I only had to do that one time. I mean, Eddie's spoken like a man with a rubber hose next to that bathtub that he lays in. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, those, I like to do black tar on Sundays. It really <laughs> mellows me out when I watch red zone. Ugh. <sighs> Josh, I have not gotten a, a Christmas card from you. It's on the way. We, uh, we, we were a little late in getting those out this year. Um, Bob, you know, where's, I, where's I told my Tiffany I was going to hear about this in the podcast and be judged, and I feel badly about it. But How long like I said, did the photo shoot just take? The day what his address was. How long did the photo shoot take? Well, we just used the photos. You guys have already seen these photos. That's the really disappointing part. Oh, for you. you didn't get a whole oh, new... These are from the prior shoot, so... We got some close-ups of Layla and Lainey. You know, I mean, I, I think you guys are going to really like how it came out, but nothing, no, no new material. You know, I did. You guys read that? Uh, did you read the wedding photographer deal in Texas Monthly? Yes, that was bits, bits and pieces of it. Yeah, that was insane. Like families that, you know, hell or high water, they were going to have their wedding and. Uh, one of them, the bridesmaid, had COVID, but they didn't tell anybody because they didn't want it to ruin the wedding. Or like the groom got it the night before. Yeah, I mean, just yep. ridiculous story. And this is all coming from wedding photographers who are like, uh, and the bride would like pull her aside like, now nah, I just want to tell you, she's got the COVID, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Because I'm absolutely not a health professional. And, but the, I'm telling and, you and the wedding photographer's <laughs> like, I have small children, like, you know. 
And they have to do all that because this is the season where they're making their livings. So, like, they're, you know, it's like they're choosing to work. So, it's just funny. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. And I'm glad the vaccine is coming. We've talked about this before. I mean, you've done, you've done Christmas with your family. I'm doing it with mine. I mean, I had a COVID test on Monday. Yeah, we, we did my Christmas with my family last week, and it was very much a limited crowd. It was yeah. basically my my parents, my my brother, you know, my sister and her family. Like it was very very minimal. Even even my poor brother had, had a somebody close to him had had a little exposure, so they were worried. So they wore masks. I mean, like it was it's just crazy. I mean, like the the steps you have to take right now to make sure everybody's going to be reasonable and safe. Eddie, I'm proud of you. You're you're not making any jokes, which I told you you're not allowed to do anymore. So I'm proud of you. He muted. He muted himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Ah. I did mute myself. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, I would just say, still be careful, please, if you're listening. Wear a mask. Vaccine is coming, but it's not here yet. I did just have two of my best friends on the planet. One lost a brother and one lost one of his best friends. And they were both in their mid-40s. So it's a bizarre-ass virus, man. You just don't know what's going to happen. And I know some of our members, I mean, they've told stories. Who was it? Uh, J.T. Hawk? Like yep. it just knocked him on his ass and he didn't think he was. He made funeral plans and stuff and he ended up coming out of it. Ugh. It's crazy. It's a crazy ass time. So, there's my soapbox. I'm off it. Eddie, congratulations for not being a shithead. I appreciate it. Thanks, Survivor. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm glad you did that sincerely as it sounded, Eddie. I was me being sincere. That was. I don't think you can really say thank you for not being a shithead sincerely. Like that doesn't feel like a real thank you. Eddie, did you feel that that was sincere coming from me? Yes. You see, he speaks my language. <laughs> asshole language. Yeah. yeah. He speaks asshole. So anyway, I, I just I, now I know some people get upset about family time, but it's the holidays. So I want to hear about the girls like they're. I'm sure that Pearl doesn't really know what's going on. Maybe she does, Bob. I know. We're going to find out in a couple days. So you're going to... How much? Santa's coming, and you're going to see if she really understands that she's getting gifts and things. Mm-hmm. She's walking around like crazy. So we've had the... Does she like the, like the trees, and does she like, like the presents uh, and the stockings and stuff? She was taking them down ornaments, so we had to move all the ornaments a lot higher than where, where they were before. And Josh, your girls, I'm sure, are just insane about it. Yes, my mine. We're we're in that peak age. I mean, this is Lainey. Obviously, has gotten it for a while. Layla, this is the first year where you can tell like it. Like we took her to see Santa, and she was like, "Santa's going to bring me presents." Like it was, you could see like the light literally switch on, and she was like, "Thank you." Like she she told him thank you. Like it was a whole thing. So. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it should be a, a pretty funny year because now Layla can like finally open her own presents and really do it herself. And right. she just got done with her birthday, so she is now well practiced. 
So it, it, it should be pretty funny and they're going to get, you know, we do a, they each get like one big gift each year that, you know, isn't wrapped and all that kind of stuff. So they're, uh, you know, they're gifts from, from, from Santa. I got to, you know, people listening again, muted. That's their gift from Santa. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so they, it, it should be just a rolling ball of shrapnel around our Christmas tree in our house. So. I have not put up a Christmas tree in maybe 10 years. Carrie, that oh. makes me sad. Like I want to, but I, I'm like, never here. I mean, like it was send you a tree. Like I had a tree. I, I, I just threw it away this year cause it got water damage. Uh, but I never put it up because we would go to a bowl game and then by the time we came back, it was like July 2nd and it was always depressing. It was more depressing to come home with a tree than it is not to have one at all when you're never here. I agree. I agree with that. It's just like when we would go to New Orleans, uh, and on July or January 2nd, they would start ripping down the garland and stuff. It would piss me off. I would want to yell at them. Like, leave it up until I leave, please. Yeah, but that they had to actually, put, it, they had to put the was, gumbo station somewhere. That was me and Eddie uh, last year, since we stayed till uh, Sunday when the game was Saturday. They were starting, the hotel was starting to take down all decorations. It felt really strange. I hate that. I, I literally... Now... December 26th, Saturday, guys, I will be busy taking down Christmas shit. That, w- that will happen immediately. See, I don't I understand that. Leave it up until January 1st. practices to go to this year. That's the best part about the whole thing. I don't I, Normally, <laughs> that's my excuse, but this year, I'm like, it's just habit. I'm taking it down December 26th. That's going to happen. So there will be no Under Armour game. There will be no All-American game. Um, is there any plans for anybody else to have a game? There has been talk of like the Team USA having a game or something like that, but I the logistics of that are just really hard for me to understand. You got kids from all over the country, and that Team USA they usually play like Team Canada or something. Yeah. Like, how do you make that work? Plus, so, all these other kids I, I, were already committed somewhere else, so they probably told you no at some point. You'd have to just start yep. from scratch. What what is interesting is Tristan Lee was supposed to announce at the Army game, but it's not the Army game. With anymore. him not signing, does he decide not to do that? I, that that's aren't they that's having a television? I heard they were having well, a television special anyway, and they'll right, just, they're having like a two hour celebration yep. special, and they'll announce. So I thought that's when those. yeah the announcement was going down. Was no no, and, and th- that is the plan. But when he changed the the idea of kind of quietly signing. On December sixteenth, I don't know if that then also changed his you know, his public uh, announcement. Does he wait until you. signing day number two and just do you know do both at the same time? I I don't know. I'm not saying that his plan has changed because I just don't know. But it's it's a it kind of makes you wonder. Like if you weren't ready on December sixteenth to sign, are you sure you're going to be ready on January second to commit? Or even if you do commit, is it still just the wild, wild west for the next month with Florida, LSU, and Oklahoma. Yeah, the the football we still get to see is Texas high school as Bill, uh, Billy Bowman. You know, they're playing Saturday. They could be playing, what, the middle of January? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and as good as Ryan is, there's a pretty good chance they'll be playing to that point in the season. I mean, that's a super, super talented team that we've talked about a lot. Um 
you know, th- that's the nice part is the two guys I would like to see some more of are Billy Bowman and Savion Bird. Savion Bird plays for one of the top five teams in the whole country in Duncanville. And Billy Bowman plays for Denton Ryan, one of the best teams in the state. So you're talking about two teams that I should get at least one more chance to see. Won't be seeing them this weekend, not looking to offend the entire family. And as I said, Saturday, <laughs> I will be busy with Christmas lights. So, you know, real life strikes sometimes. But, you know, like, for example, Savion Bird plays Christmas Eve at 2.30 in the afternoon in like, wow. the, in like the Waco area. I That's- can't that my my family would disown me (laughs) yeah yeah i I, like i said that and i mean i get that's why they're doing it so early it's at 2 30 but that game's at six i wouldn't get home till probably 10 or 10 30 on christmas eve and as bob and i have already discussed in this podcast there is assembly to do i would be in trouble for that action (laughs) what's what's linda for then Linda, Linda just cleans at this point. You know, I don't know how many more times I can ask her to be here Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to help with all our wrapping. It's like she's got a family of her own. It's a whole thing. We're we're really we're we're a little bit at odds right now. I if I'm Linda, I'm holding out when I see that you just moved into James Harden's neighborhood. I'm I'm officially I'm going to go to Cabo, work out there, and just demand my agent work out a new deal. Linda doesn't say a lot to me, but she likes the new house. You know, there was the three gates she had to get through. But other than that, she really liked the house. So, you know, that was, she was impressed for sure. Oh, Mr. Josh, you have lots more money than I thought. (laughs) Oh, if only she knew it's all from my wife. Yeah, you're a sugar daddy or she's your sugar mama. That's a hundred percent factual. She's so important. She already got the vaccine. So, yes, yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I got one of our uh, most beloved Crimson Corner posters sending me a message over the week that I pretend to be this big important person with lots of money. Guys, I don't make a lot of money. So <laughs> let, I, let, let's be real clear. Apparently, there was a misunderstanding well, you're somewhere a, in there. But you're a local journalist that only does one story a day. You must be making six figures. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a recruiting reporter in my late 30s. I mean, you talk about life success. Everybody look up to me, kids. That lady got ghosted. She, she's no longer with us, by the way. Kind of oh, like really? Sam Ellinger is no longer with us. I ghosted him this week. Well, Sam just said today he's not sure if he's coming back. I know. I saw that. Next year. <laughs> I've heard that decision has been made, and he is not. I just think that there's some... It's kind of like I feel with Creed. It's like... I know you didn't have the year that the dominating year that you wanted to have, but I just don't know if coming back another year. And I, I know people are going to be like, "Screw you, Murdoch." I just don't know if coming back is the right way to do it. Like now for Creed, it'd be for the possibility of a national title, but is it is it really smart for him to come back when he's played for four years? Yeah, I yeah, I just. Done. He Personal could. opinion, I would say that Creed's probably gone. Now, it, it does seem like it might be more realistic that you get some of those defensive guys back. Like, I did walk away from the interviews maybe over the last couple weeks, and maybe it's just a way that Alex Grinch has talked about it and kind of hinted towards it. I definitely think that he wants those big guys back up front and obvious reasons, but I think he honestly believes that they could help themselves by coming back. 
I, I think Isaiah Thomas, just because physically he could continue to add to his frame a little bit. I mean, he's a guy who looks like his pants are too big for him at times. Like, he just doesn't fill out a uniform. And I know it's because he's long and lean, and they probably don't usually make football pants for guys built like him. But it's just like, I, I think his name could really get out there a lot more. But, I mean, he's got a lot of tape. He's got a lot of good tape. I don't know. I mean, to me, he's Perkins Perkins the one guy. Back. Who's got to come back? Thomas. I, th- I think Thomas and Perkins got to figure out their positions for the NFL draft. Yeah. And I don't know if, Gr- if Grinch and, o- and OU needs to help in that regard in terms of where they place them. But I, I don't know where either one of those guys would play at the next level yet. Yeah, I mean, do you do you start standing up Perkins next year? I mean, that kind of takes away from Benito, doesn't it? If you if you're trying to do that, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm I'm not sure how they're gonna work work out the logistics. Benito's a guy that can get bigger too. I mean, yeah, he's a lean guy. It is amazing to think he's quickly becoming one of the more draftable guys on that roster. Like, seems like that's happening really fast. It's really amazing. You forget that. Nick Benito was in that JV program kind of that they had like uh, Marcus Hicks in. Like he just, he didn't even suit out for games as a true freshman. He just worked out. He just, he just did a, a full year of the offseason program. Yeah. He played the first two games, I think, the two big uh, blowouts. And, and then he was never heard from again. Throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, they just they just buried him in the gym and told him get bigger and stronger. And man, it's really worked out for him. I I don't know what the future holds for Marcus Hicks. I mean, he's probably one of those guys that I'm most curious about in the program right now. Like, which way is it going to go with him? The injuries, yep. and then we haven't seen him. We just don't know. We we saw we went and saw him in high school, and we didn't even really know what type of player he is because he spent the whole game going against a five foot eight guy <laughs> that was funny well, that's when we knew that breeze that that breeze hall could be something yeah but again like i don't want to get back on the kamar wheaton thing but sometimes it's getting a breeze hall a guy that's that intriguing is not such a bad thing but his you know his competition level like we said it wasn't great Kansas high school football is not good. So anyway, um, that was a very rambly part of the podcast, I guess. Anything else you guys wanted to hit on? I mean, Sooners uh, looked good last night, but not good enough against Texas Tech. Uh, And you could probably blame, well, you can definitely blame Austin Reeves for missing a chippy at the end. Uh, But Brady Brady Manick disappeared in that game as well. My God. Two points, two rebounds, one of seven field goals. And if he gives you anything, they win that game. Glondon, Glondon put him in going down the stretch. That's the first time I can remember a, since he was a freshman, really, where he's not in during the stretch run of a competitive game. And, and Lon just said he knew Brady didn't have it that night. That's okay. He'll bounce back and he'll be ready to go. And he still needed to be ready to go because West Virginia comes to Norman Next Saturday, as we've talked about that four-game grind of Tech, West Virginia, at Baylor, at Kansas. If you're feeling sorry for yourself about missing 
that put back at the buzzer, you know, it's going to get a heck of a lot worse if you cannot bounce back. I would say that Davion Harmon had a sneaky good game last night. Oh, he did. He played 38 minutes, too, and that's how I kept stressing. These guys have been playing like 20 to 25 minutes the entire season, and your first test, and they're Davion going 38 strong. As That's a, the level of trust that he's really starting to earn. You know, maybe he's not the top 30 prospect from last year that people were hoping but he's really started to find his role to where you know what he needs, what he can do, what he will do, and what you can trust him with. You know, it's kind of weird, Bob. It's like he isn't that guy that you thought as far as top 30, but now that he isn't that guy, I feel like he's going to develop into somebody yeah. that could be a program guy, if you will. Yep, for sure. I mean, he's rolling with the punches if he's on the bench, if he's a starter. He, you know, if he he would love to be the point guard, but it's clear they love having Austin Reeves in that spot. And, you know, maybe once upon a time that might have discouraged him or got him, you know, down in the dumps. But he is just going with it, just going with the flow. And, and you're really seeing that confidence starting to get up to the next level. In fact, you see that with all the 2019 kids, Victory Walkor, Jalen Hill. They're all they're, maybe they're not at that 150 level yet but they're all significantly better and starting to be, find their own roles and figure out what their niche is and how they're going to help this team. I went to bed before the West Virginia-Kansas game was over last night. Uh, I don't even, I, t as we're sitting here, I don't even know what the, the score was of that game last night. I assume Kansas stretched it out and won going away. Yeah, the arch nemesis of the Big 12, Christian Braun, hit like seven threes. I think they ended up winning by somewhere in between 12 and 15. Which I don't. Where do you think? Where do you think? If you had a power rankings right now in the Big Twelve, where would OU sit, Bob? They're they're uh, sixth. I mean, you can't get up above those top five teams or in the top fifteen of the entire country. Yeah, and you're not there yet. You're not Tech, Texas, West Virginia, Kansas, or Baylor. But I would take them against OSU or TCU. I mean, they already won in Fort Worth, so you know what they can do there. I, I mean, they're they're sixth, but they want to be. Closer to five instead of closer to seven. And I mean, you can't really say that OSU or TCU are disappointing so far. It's just that maybe they're not great teams. Right. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, and just And just like football, basketball is going home and then coming back. So we'll see if COVID oh boy. hits them at all. Is yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Next, I mean, next week. Florida and Oklahoma both going being allowed to go home for Christmas, which I look, you're not allowed to have a problem with that. You're just not. Right. I mean, exactly. I know people they haven't are like, been home since July. I know that's the thing. That's insane. And you know, when they were here in July, it was not fun. I mean, this has not been fun for them. Like you have to let him go home. It's almost like, I think it's the coaches and it's the right approach to take. It's like, look, if this causes us to have to delay the football game or, or cancel the football game, the bowl, it just has to be that way. You have to let these kids go home and see their families. Now, when they get home, you have some responsibility as a family not to throw a 100-person party in their honor. I, you know, keep The only person that can't go home, and I'm going to say this because I think he, he listens. I know he does. Ty Darlington cannot go home. He goes home to like 25 people. <laughs> 
I mean, I just, I can't believe that not everybody has had it at this point. I mean, they've all been together for so long. Do we really think that anybody on the team has not had COVID? They're nerds if they haven't. Okay. I mean, at least contact <laughs> tracing. I don't know if everyone's had it yet, but contact tracing for sure. To be young and in shape. It's never been a better time to be a young. So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll wait and see if there's any issues that pop up, and you know they'll test everybody once they get back, and then they'll go from there, and then they'll do the contact tracing. So, I would just say, you know, they'll probably come back, and everybody will be masked up, and everything they do until they get their test results back, so they can limit the contact tracing. But they'll get back that, on the twenty sixth. Good question for Riley was the testing order. Since the game's on a Wednesday, yeah. how does that throw off how they were going to do their test? Well, we didn't even really get a full report on when they go down. You know, obviously they flew down for the Big 12 championship game, so they'll fly down for the Cotton Bowl. I would assume it'd be the 29th. Yeah, I bet they, I mean, Tuesday. well, Lincoln said, you know, maybe get there a day early. He has a press conference on the 29th with along with Dan Mullen, but it's still going to be over Zoom, so they could be in Norman and Gainesville doing it. That's where that stuff doesn't matter now. So, yeah, but I would imagine they'd get there on the 29th, stay in a hotel, then get up, you know, go play the game and go home right after it's over. Yep. Just like a road game. Kind of like us. I'm pumped about leaving the 30th and then just coming back the 31st. Yeah. If we get in. Yes. Oh, I think we'll get in. That's a huge press box. So it is. Um, outside of that, any other uh, any other things you guys wanted to hit on before we get out of here? Anything? Any Jimmy's rustled that we need to address? Not that I can think of. I always think of something after we get down. <laughs> My boxes have been checked off. We hit what I needed to hit. I'm just trying to rack my... I should probably make a list of these things, especially during the off-season. Uh, don't forget our fine sponsor, Dead Soxy, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Uh, go check them out. Um, Holiday Pro is the promo that they've got going uh, for 35% off your entire order, so go check that out. Uh, well, guys, I appreciate it. I hope everybody has a great holiday season. Hope you get some time away. Uh, hope you get to uh, responsibly uh, spend some time with loved ones, if that's in the cards for you. Uh, hope that happens. But everybody be careful. Stay safe. Uh, enjoy the bowl season. It is already going. Enjoy the uh, fact that Alex Grinch is not a candidate at Arizona anymore and doesn't appear to be at Boise and We'll see what happens the rest of the way, but right now it's looking like OU will have a defensive coordinator again next year. So uh, am I jinxing anything? I don't know, but it's looking good right now. So we'll find out maybe. No, nothing on Kamar Wheaton before we get out of here? Nothing out there in the ether? Nothing has happened that I'm aware of. Not but, all the notifications I've got set up. I got to hate I think so, but it's Kamar. <laughs> I've got a bunch Kamar, of Kamar could have committed to Tennessee and South Carolina by now. I, I don't know. 
That'd be a good gift for Shane Beamer. Does he have, like, <laughs> I don't even know this. Does he have a Twitter account? He yes. does. Yes. But it's has he ever said anything on it? If you remember, he released his top three after. Oh, Midnight. yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Uh, so he just doesn't care. He's going to do it whenever. <laughs> does he follow Annie Hansen? I don't know. Hmm. All right. That's going to do it. Well, no, we're looking for coincidences. <laughs> we appreciate everybody <laughs> listening in. Uh, it was a book passage. That's all it was. Come on, guys. Uh, we appreciate all you guys listening. Enjoy your holidays. Enjoy the family time. Enjoy the time away from work. Uh, and we'll see you guys again next week on another edition of the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.